0: RT Lab was created with the intention of helping bridge the gap between the various healthcare professions. My name's Amy. I'm a registered respiratory therapist. Some of you may know me as Breathe Easy from Instagram and YouTube. Over my time on social media, I've seen that the biggest cause for this divide is that we don't know enough about what each other do. So let's try to fix that. Stick around to see who our guest for this podcast is, and let's get into it. All right, everybody. Thanks again for tuning in to RT Lab. Today with me, I have Physio St. Clair. You guys can find him on Instagram. He's a physiotherapist in Brazil. Uh, How are you doing today?
1: Hi, I'm I'm doing good. What about you? Thanks a lot for the invitation.
0: Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much for coming on. I know we had some technical difficulties getting it started, but I'm so happy we could finally talk One of the reasons I wanted to have you on was I when I was going to school to be a respiratory therapist, I was looking for, um, you know, supplemental material on mechanical ventilation, and I ran across your Instagram page. That was doing a lot of education specifically for mechanical ventilation and I remember it was in Portuguese of course because you're in Brazil but I remember thinking I was looking and going well whoa, he's not a respiratory therapist though what what does this guy do Um, can you take a second to kind of tell us what you do professionally and what you're doing with your social media to give our idea
1: yeah 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 in in brazil i'm a physical therapist i work in this area of the healthcare for the last 16 years i graduated in 2004 and in brazil when we don't have the respiratory therapists so when it comes to the icu and to the hospital in general the profession that usually takes care of the respiratory part of the patients is the physical therapist so when you graduate from PT school, you, you can get a specialized in some areas. And I decided I wanted to work inside the hospital. So I decided to get specialized in respiratory physical therapy. And then I started working in the ICU. That's where I work until now. And we, we have a couple of responsibilities in the ICU. We, we need to deal with mechanical ventilation like managing the patient and all the, the setting of the ventilators and we also need to work with patient rehabilitation inside the icu the acute care rehabilitation so my instagram i have the instagram page about almost two years now and i decided to to have this page to to talk to the other physical therapists that work with respiratory care, and to to teach and discuss more about mechanical ventilation. So I I am also in this time that I work as a physical therapist in the ICU. I teach about mechanical ventilation for the last ten years. So I decided to bring that to the to the Instagram, and and that has been working really well and. We we got a lot of extra work right now because of COVID nineteen. And then we start talking and you have also your experience with COVID nineteen and, and that was interesting because I also had that that doubts about what's the difference between the physical therapist that works with the respiratory care and the respiratory therapist.
0: Right. And I think it's I think it's very interesting because I've worked with physical therapists here in the United States, and there are a lot of things that are very closely intertwined uh, between respiratory care and physical therapy. And I I always, you know, when I would work with physical therapists, be like, wow, man, we make a great team when we work together. So when I heard that it was a combined profession in Brazil, it wasn't super surprising because it it just, it makes sense. I am curious, though, about some of your guys's how, how you guys work uh, in Brazil. Do you guys write your own orders for mechanical ventilation, or do you have to speak with an ICU physician in order to to prescribe certain modes of mechanical ventilation and treatments? Or do you guys do all of that by yourself? Because for example, if I would like to use a specific mode of mechanical ventilation, I am not allowed to write that order. I have to go speak with a physician unless I work at a hospital that has protocols for it. I still have to get an order from a physician for specific modes of mechanical ventilation.
1: Yeah, here, here in Brazil, it's it's also different from hospital to hospital, and, but at most of the places, at most of the hospitals, the physical therapist, when we, we get to be inside the ICU, he's responsible for managing the ventilator so i decide Mm -hmm. when to change the modes i decide when to change the parameters i decide when to to start winning the patient from mechanical ventilation and as a team with the physician and with nurses we talk about the patient and his ability for example to to get winning from mechanical ventilation get estubated. and but the physical therapist is the responsible for doing the tests for managing the the parameters and looking at the arterial blood gas and decide what you have to do with the patient. So in most of the places here, the physical therapist is the responsible and he he can manage. But that's something that sounds a little strange and funny, but we get to manage the ventilator, but we don't get to intubate the patient. Mm,
0: Do you guys do the extubations?
1: Yeah, we do the extubation, we, we do not intubate and we do not change the tracheostomies and we do not do invasive procedures, but we get to manage the ventilator. So it's fun because sometimes I need the physician to intubate the patient and after he intubates, now I'm the, the, the professional that's going to lead all the procedures. So it's, it's strange, we don't get to do that.
0: That, that is quite interesting because although respiratory therapists do not intubate everywhere, that is one of the things that we're trained to do and that we can do and is covered under our scope of practice, but um Whereas once the patient is intubated, although we do make a lot of suggestions and we do have physicians that will tell us, hey, you make these changes and I will put in the order, Um, we are not covered to prescribe modes of mechanical ventilation. We generally can only make suggestions and hope that we are working with a physician that Um, takes our suggestions into consideration or follows what we suggest. Because more often than not, for us, our physicians learn so many things that their courses in mechanical ventilation are very short so you have to hope that you have a physician that took a upon themselves to study alone outside of their regular studies to really understand mechanical ventilation um, yeah. because respiratory therapists are still the ones that spent the most time covering those topics so i find it funny that we cannot cover it but we can intubate <laughs>
1: studying- it's kind of
0: backwards <laughs>
1: Yeah, here we have the same thing here, just not for the intubation. We do not get to train, to practice, to study about intubation. So mm-hmm. I, I have to, to decide sometimes the time to that the patient is going to get intubated, so I need to study about that. But the procedure, we do not practice it. But another thing you told you that's really interesting, that's why do the physical therapists get to be the most... Important professional to deal with mechanical ventilation here in Brazil. I think that's because of the time we spend studying mechanical ventilation, just as you said for the respiratory therapist. Physical therapists study much more about mechanical ventilation than the doctor, than the physicians. We have some good physicians that study a lot about mechanical ventilation all over the world, but here in Brazil i am a, a college teacher so i spend most of the semester teaching about mechanical ventilation for the graduating students of physical therapy and i know that the physicians they get one day or two days about mechanical ventilation and then when you get to the to the, the CK unit you you can do that with so little time on studying mechanical ventilation.
0: It's a very complex topic, so it's certainly something that needs more than just a few days or even a a month of studying. You know, you and I spent years studying it. Something that I wanted, I did want to ask you about, especially now with mechanical ventilation, During the whole pandemic, we have seen so many changes in uh, the way we approach mechanical ventilation for specific patient types. At least for us, there were things that we used to be able to um, do that did not work quite the same. Or even certain procedures that we're doing much more often now. Like I find during the pandemic, we are uh, proning a lot of our patients much more frequently than we did before um just because of the severity of the issues with oxygenation that these patients face what are some of the changes you've encountered in brazil because you're in one of the one of the areas that was hit a little bit harder in brazil aren't you i know that you're not in like sao paulo or an epicenter but i know that you guys got affected quite severely as well
1: yeah yeah uh, we got i mean a city called natal and not at the beginning but afterwards we had like the bad little a lot of bad numbers about death and people with COVID-19 so our hospitals they just got really really crowded we we needed to open more and more beds ICU beds and but about the mechanical ventilation strategy strategies and what we we had to do with these patients I think that you 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 told something that I also think about that We had some situations that we knew what to do, and we used to do that, but not as often as we are dealing with right now. So prone position, and we need high levels of of PEEP, and we need to to protect the lungs, so we started using less tidal volume. So we, we had a lot of things that we already knew that we have to do with the patients, but we didn't do that as often as we are doing right now. And I think that's something that was challenging for the physical therapists and for the ICU professionals, but that also Mm -hmm. was something that we got to learn more and to practice more. And I think that we're going to get that and stay with that after the pandemic.
0: No, yeah, I I absolutely agree, because I think some of these things were therapies that, not everyone was comfortable with and now it's kind of second nature where for example before i remember when we first got hit our first wave of the pandemic back in maybe march for us um i remember i had a few prone patients maybe like two or three and then we also were using inhaled uh LAN or it's like a pulmonary vasodilator. I'm not sure if you guys use that there or not.
1: Yeah, um, sometimes.
0: And I remember feeling a little bit, a little bit stressed out because, oh my gosh, I had, you know, two prone patients and a couple people on inhaled pulmonary vasodilators. And then I had other random patients on high flow nasal cannula and BiPAP. And now I'll have you know four or five prone patients, and everyone's on inhaled, pulmonary vasodilators, and multiple yeah. other patients, and I'm like, ah, oh, this is fine. It, it's fine. I've That's done okay. this before. You're it's not close. a big deal. It's,
1: <laughs> yeah, that became the yeah new- it's, oh.
0: it's okay. We're used to it now.
1: <laughs> yeah, we we also had that. You you could count on your your in, in your hands about how many patients have you prone or your professional life and then you get to be in a, in a place that you have to prone four patients and get patients back for their position in you know, the three patients and at the same time you have non vasive ventilation and you have patients with severe hypoxomy and, and, and that's really stressful that's really hard but we after a couple of months we got used to it i don't know if that's Absolutely. good or bad. i don't know i don't know I, I think that no, I, I
0: agree. Important. I don't I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but it definitely made people grow professionally and learn a different strategy in handling those very busy situations because exactly. I know you you've been doing this much longer than I have. I've only been a respiratory therapist for about two years now. So I think before this, I maybe had only proned. Mm, I don't know, maybe three or four times previously (laughs) and now I have multiple prone patients every single shift. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah now, now it's normal and do you know what something that's interesting uh, that we got to be more like the respiratory therapist during the pandemic because it's so stressful and you have so many things to do with mechanical ventilation and high flow and non-invasive ventilation that the physical therapists are not getting time enough to to do rehabilitation with these patients early mobilization we are not getting time enough to do what we I use used to do with critical care patients. Mm. And, and that's something bad for the profession because we, we have worked so hard. I have been talking about, I have been on Congress and trying to study and make people understand the importance of getting the patient out of bed and walk and sitting. And now we don't have as much time as we had before. So it's challenging for us because of this. And we have patients I... that are presenting these symptoms and these difficulties after they survived the the COVID-19.
0: I hadn't even thought about it from that perspective, but it absolutely makes sense what a challenge that would be. Um, Just because I don't, I do not do the physical therapy portion of things when it doesn't relate to general movement, although that movement is good for the cardiopulmonary system as well. For us here, our physical therapists are the ones getting patients out of bed and getting them moving around and doing that early mobilization and range of motion. Um, So I can see how that would be extremely challenging trying to deal with these very fragile patients with issues with, you know, mechanical ventilation, invasive and non-invasive, and then having to try to do those mobilization techniques on top of it. Um, And, you know, you had mentioned this before when we spoke briefly, you said that part of your job because you guys did get so busy was educating newcomers into the ICU about mechanical ventilation and those physical therapy techniques. What was that like for you? How, How did you go about that?
1: I think that was a great job and that's something I'm still doing. We, we had to hire a lot of professionals, so we we, we got to put people inside the ICU that were health cares, but they didn't have experience about dealing with critical patients, and especially with mechanical ventilation, and more especially with mechanical ventilation for COVID-19 patients. Mm-hmm. So I started work here in the city, and we got to go through all the state when. We have, I think we have trained more than four hundred or five hundred people and among nurses, physical therapists, and physicians that got to the ICU because of the new beds of the COVID nineteen. So we, we go to the hospital to go inside the ICU with the patient on mechanical ventilation and show the people what to do, what was and try to get the right PP, what was tidal volume, how, when do I increase, when I get the, the tidal volume low and how do I set the initial parameters and, and we had to train all that with the people about everything on mechanical ventilation for these, these professionals. So we are still doing that. We are going through other cities right now because the, the disease is spreading and it's getting inside the state. So we are dealing with people in new cities. So we are training and that's really grateful. And that's really worrying because we, we see that if we have to open a lot of beds, we don't have as much as we needed and as much as we wanted of new professionals. But we are working really hard on that. And I also have an online course about mechanical ventilation that I receive a lot of physical therapists and a lot of physicians that are starting to deal with mechanical ventilation.
0: And that that is something that we faced here as well, because it is so specialized, the area of mechanical ventilation. It does take a lot of studying and a lot of skill that that's what yeah. every single country has run short on, is people that have the skill and the ability to run these mechanical ventilators. So I can only yeah. imagine doing that education, the types of stories you've run across, and how many people are telling you that they need these things.
1: Yeah, the people, people started to look more to, to mechanical ventilation study. like, I, I need to learn that from now to tomorrow. And I usually say mm-hmm. you, you don't get to learn mechanical ventilation that fast. Mechanical ventilation is hard. I studied that for a lot, a long time, and it's, it's still hard for me. And and these patients, we we know that we got to protect the lung. And that's the first first important thing we need to do on mechanical ventilation. And when you get someone that doesn't know what to do, he he or she, they're going to try to reach some level of Ox- oxygen, and and probably that's going to be made by dangerous setting of mechanical ventilation. So we have a big problem if these people don't get absolutely. to understand mechanical ventilation. Can I ask you something?
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely.
1: Did you get to open a lot of new beds? ICU beds?
0: For So for, for us, COVID? Um, the the city I live in has quite a few hospitals and we had multiple ICUs already um, and a lot of these floors and ICUs were transitioned into COVID only ICUs and that ended up shifting uh, patients that would normally go into our ICUs into other areas where maybe they would not have had that acuity level of patients so it was a lot of shifting people around um because I'm not sure of the size of the the hospitals in your area but for example the hospital that I work at has close to 600 beds and we're not the largest hospital in my city we have hospitals with over 600 beds and uh gosh I can't even remember the number of, of beds that we have in the city, but thankfully we did not have to have any pop-up facilities in my area. Although I know in cities like New York and Texas that they did have to build new uh, hospitals. Thankfully, we did not get that bad here. We just had to do a lot of shifting and opening of different wings and um, shifting acuity levels for different floors.
1: Yeah, that that's good. I just asked it to know if you had like something similar to what we have here. So when you get you get to do that, you don't need to train as much as professionals. We had this problem here. And that was Yeah, I know
0: I know that they had to bring in more physicians to help manage patients. For example, we generally only have one fellow on at a time and then multiple residents at the facility I work at. But for for a while, we had two fellows, we were bringing in physicians that did not normally work in the ICU, which was a challenge when it came to needing to make adjustments to mechanical ventilators, because it can be quite frustrating when you know what the patient needs, but you're trying to educate a physician at the same time about what the patient needs, but they don't understand or they have another idea of how mechanical ventilation should work because they're not um, used to working with it. So maybe they're not familiar with ARDSnet protocol or lung protective strategies. So I think that was our biggest challenge was trying to educate people that were not used to working with those acuity levels and working with those um those strategies <laughs> so that that yeah. was our biggest problem that's, that's <laughs> the
1: most difficult thing that's what we found here as well and we, we we were talking to the people in the icu to the physicians and to the physical therapists, and they said well when i get a tidal volume mm-hmm. volume of 10 cc per kilo we get mm-hmm. good oxygen levels and then oh. <laughs> to get to get the people to change their mind about it to protect the lung and well you have not good oxygen levels but probably in a couple of days your patient's not going to be as well as he is right now and-
0: exactly that sounds like a very um common conversation i had about levels of peep and different i to e ratios that people were attempting to use um mm-hmm. I'm not sure if this is a strategy that you guys use frequently, but I was running into people wanting to use inverse IA ratios, like a three to one ratio in incorrect modes of ventilation as well. So that was
1: um, a very
0: big conversation to be had also.
1: We had we had situations like one time one person got to use a different mode of mechanical ventilation, the patient got well, and they decided to use that for all the patients. And we, we had a hard time changing that and making people to understand that each patient is gonna be behave, the disease is gonna behave in a different way, but we, we have a strategy to to protect the patient and to, to get Time of the disease. I think that the disease needs more time to to get better and get better oxygen levels, and and that's that's what's stressful in the ICU to get people to understand that's not as fast as they want. It's not as easy as they want. The disease, it's absolutely, really and we need a lot of time with the disease.
0: That's a great point because. One mechanical ventilation is not a one mode fits all scenario. Like you said, just because one mode works very well for one patient and the point in the disease progress in the in the point of the disease that they are at does not mean that mode of ventilation, mechanical ventilation will work the same way for a different patient with different comorbidities in a different uh, point of the disease also. So I think that's the, I think that is is a big struggle. I think throughout most ICUs, um, people will get comfortable with one mode of mechanical ventilation, but that mode of mechanical ventilation does not work for every patient in every situation.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's correct. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm-hmm, so I know that you're working on a lot of things right now. You're always very busy. You're always posting lots of educational content on your Instagram. I see you putting stuff out um, for the courses that you do, your seminars and whatnot. And I know that you had mentioned you started a YouTube as well. Can you kind of tell us what you're working? Just tell us a little bit about all of the things you're working on with Instagram, YouTube, your, your seminars. What all do you have going on right now?
1: yeah i i have the instagram where i get little pieces of education and trying to to make people to start good discussions so i usually i, I like to ask questions and then make little videos about the questions talking about the answers what's what should be better and what what it's not so good for patients in general and try to make people to think a little bit more um in a proper way about mechanical ventilation just just like you said that mechanical ventilation just doesn't fit all the patients at the same level so i I use the instagram for them i also have an online course about mechanical ventilation before pandemic i had presential courses so i used to talk about mechanical ventilation and also about acute care rehabilitation early mobilization with these patients. And then when it started, I have the online course. I I have I'm starting out the the course number five, I think if I'm not wrong. So it has been a great experience to to get people from all over the country we don't have just brazilian and uh, students and brazilian professionals who have people from other countries and then recently i started to use the youtube channel to 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 share things with people especially to talk to other people so i had two webinars one with physical therapists in the respiratory care in brazil and we talk about the pandemic and how how was and how it has been faced these patients. And then I had a second one with physical therapists around the world. So we had people from Australia, people from Portugal, people from the United States. We had people in the United States from California. And we had the physical therapist from the Johns Hopkins. And, and that's really interesting for me and for all the professionals that watch the webinars because it brings... Brings us to a reality where you get to know what people are doing all over the places. So we we can we can understand that we are not so different from other professionals and from other from other people. So that's that's how I use the, the social media to, to to talk to people and to bring good ideas and reflections and i think that we also use it to to teach people but i think that the discussion it's it's really great about it and that's something that you you also do on your social media i know you you get people to talk a lot about a lot of matters a lot of subjects
0: yeah and i think that that's something that's amazing about social media in general is being able to connect with people around the world and share that knowledge that is that has been one of the most interesting things for me to watch throughout this pandemic and even personally taking different ideas and strategies from others who went through issues that they were having with COVID-19 before it even hit my city. We were able to take some of those ideas and some of those strategies and bring them back to our facility to- do the best of what we could and what we knew for patients that were being affected by it
1: yeah yeah that's great i have a i have a friend that's also a respiratory therapist in in, in the united states and she was a physical therapist here that worked with respiratory care then she got to the states and i used to talk to her a lot i talked to you i talked to a physician in the states i talked a lot of people because i think that we change when we share the experience you get more prepared to deal with these patients and that's for sure when when you get to talk to people, you understand you understand what people are doing all over the world. You get like you get more confident about what you had to do on your shift.
0: And then just quickly, I know that your Instagram is under Physio Saint Clair. Is your YouTube under that also?
1: Yeah, that's also um, at the same name. The same name. It's physio. Physio stands for physical therapist in Brazil, like short. In the United States, you use PT. Here we call it mm-hmm. physio, and it's physio mm-hmm. Saint Clair. That's my name. So perfect. That also stands for that physio Saint Clair.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much again for coming on. It's been great talking to you and getting to kind of understand a little bit more about what you guys have been doing there and some of your responsibilities, because, you know, as we we're talking about before, even though we work in similar areas, we have very different responsibilities, but I would love to see yeah. more physical therapists here in the United States working together closely with respiratory therapists, because when you combine those two areas, they tie in so perfectly that it's, it's just a better outcome for our patients in general. So I, I, it's really interesting to see how you guys have done that in Brazil.
1: Thank, thanks a lot, Amy. It's really good to talk to you and we have done a lot of conversations on social media and you have a great job talking to other professionals. So when, when you told me that we would have a chance to talk on your, your podcast, it's, it's something that brings up all the professionals and make we get better care for the patient so i would like to to thank you a lot for the opportunity to talk and to bring a little of our work here in brazil as a physical therapist to to your channel so people can get to know as well
0: Thanks again for joining us for this episode of RT Lab. Make sure you're following us on Instagram at rtlab.podcast to stay up to date with the most recent episodes we'll be coming out with, as well as following us on whatever listening platform you're using to keep being part of this conversation. Thanks again, and I'll see you guys next time.